Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. My Dice Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the oddly timely look at a bore game expansion pack to my awesome original release, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Wow, you read the typo out loud. I'm impressed. I read it as the script expressed it, sir, on the first take, I might add. I know, I know, no. You're you're uh you're Ron Burgundy? Yeah, I'm Ron Burgundy. Damn it! Who put a question mark in the teleprompter again? (laughs) There's a lot of issues with that movie that make it not funny. That's not one of them. That particular segment, genuinely funny. (laughs) Hello, hello, Jonathan. I'm doing good. I'm doing. I'm doing good. Been been a been a spring break. Oh, Fred Willard, I miss you. Yeah, yeah, Fred Willard, man. He uh, he was not my favorite bit of a lot of stuff, but he was in a lot of stuff I really liked. But you know what? He, he was always consistent and he could always get a, a, at very least a smile, uh, but often, most often a genuine chuckle. Like the guy was just funny and he's got great comedic timing. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and he, he knew, he knew where his place was for his style of comedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. He played an a-hole really well. Yeah, absolutely. Like really, really well. <laughs> what's crazy to me is you know like anchorman was 2004 and then when you go and look at pictures of him like 16 years later or pardon me 14 years later when he passed like man he just aged dramatically over overnight almost hmm i haven't actually looked at that oh wow right right yeah yeah I mean, granted he was he was 78 when he did anchorman and eight, or no i'm sorry 76 when he did no God, my math today. He was 72 when he did Anchorman and 86 when he passed. So I guess those last 14 years, I don't know. Yeah, he was in the army. I did not. Yeah. There you go. There we go. (laughs) That's all I got for you. Yeah, no, I was, I I like the Christopher Guest uh, improv movies quite a bit. And he he was really good in all of them. And I love A Mighty Wind just because it's a very, very long, drawn-out fart joke. It's it's amazing. Hmm. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Thank the patrons. Yeah, Fred, Fred Willard. I miss you, buddy. All right, moving right along. As always, let's kick this episode off with a big old thank you to our patrons over on Patreon. You guys are helping us keep the lights on. And um, lately, it's it's been helping with questionable media choices. <laughs> There's a little foreshadowing for you. That was that had the subtlety of a brick, man. That was not foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you can't win them all. <laughs> and uh, speaking of which, I guess Jonathan, happy National Only Wait, Child speaking Day. Speaking of foreshadowing or <laughs> movies, <laughs> I don't know. Whatever, I'm just rolling with it. That's the segue. It's it's in there. It's it's permanent now. Sorry, I should have said crappy. April 12th, my friend, National Only Child Day, celebrates the individual child. It's my day, Jonathan. I am an only child, and it was amazing. I'll never know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my wife says, weren't you Were you lonely as a child without anybody? It's like, no, no. It was I think great. you don't know any different, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, and I, I didn't, man. I made my own fun. I got real good at that. I, I am. Yeah, I did too. Because there were five years between my sister and I, and so you know, those first five years were. I, I can see that with your, you and your older sister, because also the, the different genders and all that. Would probably well, and, and you know, five years means that you're like completely separated, right? So, like, if you think about it, when she was in kindergarten, I was in fifth grade. Like, that's a big difference. You can't. There's not a lot to associate with there. Yeah. Although my daughter does it good. She, her brothers are in kindergarten. She's in fourth grade and she's, uh, she still plays with them. And Oh yeah. Yeah. No, we, we played together, but it's, I don't know. It, it's a different yeah. kind of play. You're playing with them rather than, um, no, no. I'm, how should I put this? You're playing at them <laughs> instead uh, of with them. It's just, it is just play, I guess. There's no emotional connection. There's no sharing of, of, like experiences like i watch my two nine-year-olds and they're thick as thieves right but they're experiencing the same section of their life and then when they play with amelia they play with her and they play with her very well but you know she's three so when she is nine they will be you know 15 it's a big difference yeah yeah no agreed agreed all right well moving on now that i feel ancient um Use that hashtag national, hashtag only child day. Yeah, there you go. On that social media. Good times. April 12th. Mm-hmm. 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 It's like the most boring, like, holiday day we've had yet. Speak for yourself, man. I was an only child. And it was great. It's my day, <laughs> Jonathan. You shut up. <laughs> oh, I guess you're used to the quiet. <laughs> You know, of all of my friends, uh, I'm the one that has the by far the highest tolerance of just sitting around bored. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like I could, me too. Yeah, but that's yeah. mostly because I, I don't know, humanity and I weren't meant for each other. I'm really good at yeah. looking in from the outside and telling humanity what it's doing wrong, but I'm not so good at participating. <laughs> it's exhausting, man. Being around people—that's tiring. I don't say that in a bad way. I'm just an introvert. That's just the way my energy flows. Let's go ahead and get started with our first segment today. That is, of course, our off-the-shelf segment, our segment where we talk about all the wonderful things that we've had off of our shelves, into our various media devices and or tables, and most importantly, into our hearts. And brace yourself, folks. It's been a hot minute. We've got a lot to cover. <laughs> where do you want to start, bud? Because they're all lists. There's just lists. Lists upon lists. Uh, let's just start wherever you want to start. It's not a big You know deal. what? I'm going, I'm, I'm doing something that we don't usually do. We're, we're following down in the order. Board games. Okay. You and I are playing Seven Wonders again. Is it my turn? Shoot. I should yeah, it is your turn. It's been your turn ah, for a crap. while. I'm sorry. Are you sorry, Jonathan? Uh, I am sorry. I don't want to hold up the whole game. Like, I appreciate your texts when you tell me, hey, it's your turn. That's a good reminder. <laughs> Board Game Arena changed their layout a little bit, and I d- I'm not necessarily a huge fan of the new one there i've gone all right so board games yes you and i have played some seven wonders that continues to be pleasant and lovely mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i had a chance to play descent uh with my kids that was fun they like the new system i am still enjoying the new system and it just makes me want to continue the game that i started with ray that much more ray we need to play descent and i know that's totally more on me than you i get that that's me um yeah you should do it on the off sunday nights it's just, yeah, I know. We try, we try, we try, but it's been very busy 
it's soccer season again. Mm. Yay. How many kids you got in soccer? Two. Two. Mm. Two in soccer. Two in soccer. And I'm the coach on one of the teams. <laughs> Needless to say, the first practice didn't go well when I said, listen, you little maggots, you're in my house now. Who wants to cry? Didn't it wasn't probably you not all think you're me. I'm locked in here with you, but you're locked in here with me. <laughs> you think you know pain. <laughs> oh, Jonathan, you don't even know the half of it. I, I love you and and I respect all your life choices and I want you to do well. You, sh- you should not be teaching children how to coach. That does not seem like it'll end well with your psyche. You know what? I can assume that persona for two hours each week. I do okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm just worried, man. I'm worried that the Sam Jackson you will slip out. <laughs> God damn it, Timmy! Move your ass! <laughs> <laughs> There's not even a kid named Timmy on my my team. Yeah. It's you know, it's it's nine year old soccer. You're you're not expecting a large amount of um execution on a plan. I mean, honestly, if they're going for the right goal, it's a minor victory. You're not holding your breath for large quantities of sports stars. Okay. We're not making like (laughs) ESPN highlights every 15 seconds. That reminds me, I was playing fall guys and, uh, there was a a team thing and I lost track of which team I was on and I was scoring on my own goal for a while. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. There you go. And and now you know what Saturdays are like for me. So congratulations. (laughs) Welcome to the club. You want to be the coach beard to my, uh, Ted Lasso? I haven't watched that show, so I don't know what that is. You, sir, are missing out. I, so I've been told. So I've been told. I've got too many streaming services that I'm not watching as it is and paying for. All right. Um, moving right along. Um, welcome to continues to be welcoming for me. I am still enjoying the living daylights out of that game. I played a couple rounds, uh, with a friend of mine and it was great. We Very should lovely. play that with the, with the new guy because like Seven Wonders Alchemy changed up quite a bit adding in the seventh player. Maybe I'm maybe down. I'm two. down. Start it up. Start it up. Start I can't up. start it up. I don't have a premium account. I'm not paying for that. <laughs> Peasant. Um, remind me when Seven Wonders is done and I'll start it up. Why not both? Um. All right. Hold on. Damn. There's a new guy. Oh, there is it, a new it, guy. Yeah. It's Ray's friend. Okay. Do I know Ray's friend? I think he joined the Dune Discord. Together? I, maybe. Or is it Brendan's friend? I can start friend? another game. Okay, I'm going to start another game. Mm-hmm. Turn-based. Okay, turn-based. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah turn-based. friends. That's yeah. what it is. Invite yeah. more. I love, I love green. Yeah, you should play. Yeah. Done. No, it's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. Right. Play now. Right. Play now. Confirm. I have accepted your invitation. You know, I just realized everybody involved is going to be so damn confused with all of this. And and it'll be a week before they understand. <laughs> that just amuses me. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. It's done. All right. Moving right along. Uh, what else have I played? Um, I've been playing a lot of Undaunted, but we're going to talk about more about that in just a little bit. Uh, suffice it to say that every time I play it, I fall a little bit more deeply in love with that game. It's freaking brilliant. Everybody should go out and buy a copy especially because it's only like 40 bucks. And I mean, Osprey Games has a huge, huge hit here. This system is nothing short of phenomenal. Mm. 
recently had a chance to sit down and play some Terrors of London with one of the kids uh, who doesn't love a good monster. And I was having a great time with it. Um, and then finally, uh, also playing some Marvel United on a couple of the weekends where you were away. And I was lonely and sad. So every weekend? Ah! Oh, that's true. That's true. That made it too real. Okay, thanks for <laughs> that. Now I'm going to go cry myself to sleep. Um, you had some games. What did you play? Oh, Animal Upon Animal. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Brought that along on the vacation. Played it with the kids a couple times. Uh, the boys, they're old enough. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. I, uh, I had a good time. I need to bust that out the house. Uh, I also, like, I brought along other board games. And my son, Miles, which we will get into more later, but he has decided he wants to, like, like be daddy's daddy's boy so like he uh he was like what are these other games after we played animal upon animal i'm like oh those are big kid games and he's like i'm a big kid and he grabs camel up right and he's like let's play this <laughs> and i'm like okay and so I, I set it all up and you know i mean he just rolled dice and did it but we went we played a game of it technically but yeah so and he, he was like i liked it we should play it again i'm like all right it's fair and then somebody went and programmed in uh, the game Uno into Roblox, and thus... Oh, God. My, God in my, heaven. Uno, the never-ending torture. Yeah, yeah. And thus, my daughter is way into Uno right now. And uh, so we played that a couple times. And she played a five-player game of it by herself because she just liked it that much. And she got really mad at herself because she made one suboptimal move at one part, and she thought... She, she was, like, harping on it for a little bit. I'm like, Wow. That is some serious Uno play. Playing Uno by yourself is kind of like that whole like Austin Powers introduction. Allow myself to introduce myself. My name is Richie Cunningham, and this is my wife, Oprah. Oprah. <laughs> there we go. Finn, board games were played slightly. I spent most of my... It, uh, man, we had sl- such like high hopes on the vacation. It's like, yeah, we'll go to the aquarium, and we'll go to the tide pools, and we'll have such enriching family stuff. And like after the first day, we're like, nah, no more of that. And we just give the kids their devices and say, don't bother us. We're going out to the hop tub for 90 minutes. And, and <laughs> we did that off and on all day. It was great. It was great. We went camping. I guess we did that before your last, our last episode, though, didn't we? I don't know. But yeah, you did go camping. I don't know. We went camping. It. it was yeah. very cold at night and very pleasant during the day. Yeah, it sounds like Texas, like early spring Texas weather. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It was getting down into the 20s at night, so I wouldn't call it spring either. <laughs> oh, wow. 20s. Wow. Yeah, it okay. was not nice at night. Okay. All right, moving right along. Let's, let's, this, this is the big one. This is the big one. Movies and TV. Movies and TV. Okay. Here okay. we go. Let's do you first then. Um, I started watching Halo on the Oh, UPN's. I did too. I watched oh, God, the first I said episode. UPN. Why, why did I say UPN? <laughs> <laughs> wow, did I just date myself? No, I watched the United Halo Paramount on Network. Paramount Plus. Yeah. You know what? How should I put this? How about, how, let, 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 me, let me do this. I actually watched it. Um, as somebody who's never played, oh, that's a lie. I played Halo 1 on the PC ages ago, but I don't know much about Halo. I haven't played any of the games past the first one on the PC port, so that shows how long it's been. So I don't know the rules of Halo. I it was it was okay. Like I, it, how about it wasn't it wasn't great, but it it was a promising start. And I know it's a thing that Master Chief doesn't take off his helmet, and I get why they did it in the first episode because if they didn't do it, it would start drawing comparisons to the Mandalorian, which I I just don't think they wanted to go there. You know, like it, it it'd be hard to have a, a, a masked character for the whole thing. Let let me let me go ahead and put this to bed right now. 
And, and hey, Halo fans, I'm talking to you guys. It is okay that he takes his helmet off. It is okay that Spartans take their helmet off. The reason why Master Chief does not take his helmet off and every other Spartan ever shown in every other Halo game does is for one reason and one reason alone, and that is because since you occupy the body of Master Chief, Bungie, and they've said this in interviews, has made the conscious decision in the original games to never show his face so that you, as an individual, could put yourself into the armor. That's all. That's the only reason they never show his face. Every single other Spartan in the universe has removed their helmet and shown their face. And in all of the books, Chief has his helmet off all of the time. It's okay. Take a deep breath. Stop being a jackass gatekeeping fanboy. That's not what it's about. I'm done. No, I'm not. It's a drama. And to make him a more realistic character, you have to associate with him on a human level. And if he doesn't take his helmet off, he's not going to be human. He's going to be a robot to you. And that's not what this show is about. Now I'm done. Say something before I get back on this soapbox. It really irritated the living daylights out of me. The other complaint I hear a lot is like, it's not following the the games. And it's like, why? Why would it? Why would it? It, yeah. it is a TV show. It's doing its own thing. And, and uh, I, I know what year it takes place in. It takes place um, kind of near the end of the Covenant War, but Reach is still around. So it's obviously in its own timeline. Um, I know a little bit. I've absorbed it. Well, no, I mean, that works from the game perspective, too. So if, if you remember when Reach fell, well, you may not because you never played the game, but that's right. I did not. When, when Reach fell, you you um, uh, what is it? UNSC? Yeah. yeah. UNSC had already begun running into the Covenant all over the place. Several planets had already been lost and glassed. So the Covenant were new to the public, but not new to the Navy. The Navy was actively hiding the fact that they were entering an intergalactic war. It was after the fall of Reach that everything got publicized wide. Well, there you go. That was that was the tipping point. So the fact that this happens before the fall of Reach makes perfect sense to me. It, it does not because it takes place in 2057, which is, uh, according to the, the Master Timeline, uh, near the end of the Covenant War itself, uh, basically Halo 3. Oh, it's, it's whatever. So it's, it, it, it's following its, its own, own thing. thing. Yeah, which is fine. I, I You know, it's a TV show. And people don't get that. Like, if they just do the story of the TV show, one, I've never seen a video game adaptation do well if they follow the game, like, directly. Because it just, it doesn't work well. Well, because, I mean, like, inherently, the, the mission you run based... into the problem of millions of people have played this game. And if you're just telling the story of the game, then what is there for them to, to hang their dramatic hat off of? Right, exactly, exactly. Like, what is the point of even watching it, even if you're a fan of the game, because you know what's going to happen. That's stupid. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, God, man, come on. Come on, anyway. society. Anyway, Do I, I, I I, liked it. It was okay. I, I will watch another episode or a few. I, it, it earned that. I, I had a good time. There's, there's a couple of things that bug me. It's not without its flaws. Um, oddly, one of the things that's bugging me the most is some of the digital sets. Like, it's so very clear where the digital set begins and the, the real plate that they shot on ends. Like, it's just, I mean put it in neon it's it's that obvious and and that mm. kind of bugs me because we're in the we're in the time frame now where it's okay for tv shows to have really really good special effects and these just seem kind of mediocre sometimes you know it's funny not uh, all the I, time sometimes 
I, I watched the first episode on my iPad because um, I got I got my tetanus. And booster. I bet you didn't notice a damn thing. Yep, I didn't notice a damn thing. Yeah, that that tracks because people are starting to realize that they don't have to invest heavily in the effects because the vast majority of people are consuming their media on tiny little screens. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm consuming it in 4K on my computer. So yeah. I can see all the little flaws that other people miss. And, and that's, I don't know. You, you can't please everybody. And I get it. It's a TV show. It's going to be on a TV show budget. And I mean, honestly, if we were to roll back the clock 10, 15 years, like these, these special effects would be mind blowing. Yeah. Did you know that like all the UNSC weaponry is not there? That's all CG, by the way. <laughs> what? Yeah. I, I don't know why they made that choice, but like apparently all the, the weapons are CG. And if you watch real carefully, sometimes you can actually see little tracking errors and whatnot. But for the most part, it's pretty good. Pretty good. I can see why they do Because you'd have to build a bunch of prop guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which they should have done. That would have been the right thing to do, but I don't know. Whatever. Well, the budget is what the budget is. Yeah. I, I'm sure they have their reasons. Because they're only complicating their work stream. So I don't I don't know why that what that reason is, but they, I'm sure they have good ones. So, all right, uh, things I like. The overall tone nails it. Um, it's really great to see the Spartans kicking ass at full speed. Like one of the one of the biggest problems inherently with the video games is that you never get to see the Spartans be Spartans because if they were, they'd be tearing through the enemies for you. And that's not fun to play. Right. And you never get to go God mode as a Spartan either because then there's no peril and there's no potential loss of life and that's not fun either. So you you finally get to see the Spartans being as they are described to you. And, and you get to fulfill on the promise of what a, a human super soldier in the year 2257 looks like. And it's cool. Like when they, when they drop in from dropships and start kicking ass, it's awesome. Another thing I really like is that they don't shirk away from the violence of the conflict. Like I saw somebody complaining that, you know, okay. Spoiler alert. If you haven't watched the first episode, just tune out now for about 30 seconds. If you don't care, listen. And if you do care, listen, um, there's a moment in the first episode where a covenant elite opens up a door and finds a bunch of kids hiding. Right. Right. And proceeds to mow them all down. Like, wholesale slaughter, nobody's left alive, he kills them all. That's impactful. It shows the brutality and the absolute alien nature of the Covenant, and also how dedicated they are to their cause. They view us as interlopers who have wandered into something that we're not supposed to touch, and everything that we touch sullies what is of primary religious importance to them. So that makes sense that they would slaughter us. Like, it, that makes sense from a character perspective. That's an important beat. And I saw people complaining about that level of violence in the show. Like, let's not forget, this is a war. Like, this is not, like, cuddle time. It, that's a, it wasn't gratuitous. Like, I... It's I, not I gratuitous, know. but it, it's it's more than the game ever shows, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't know. But, but again, the game is always implying that the Covenant are really bad and we should be afraid of them. Now we see why. Right. Like to me, it's I call this the Rogue One conundrum. Like if you go back and watch Star Wars, everybody's terrified of Darth Vader. But do you ever really get a reason why you're terrified of Darth Vader? No. He's a freaking cuddle puppy in the movie, in the original movie. I'm talking about Star Wars one. Right. All right. You mean never brandishes anything. Yeah. He chokes a couple of fools out. But like it's not like terrifying the entire ship's crew. Terrifying. Right. Right. And then you get to the end of Rogue One. And in like a 42 second scene, 
you now understand why Darth Vader is frigging terrifying. Why everybody on that ship at the beginning of Star Wars is in need of a new pair of pants. Just at the thought that Darth Vader is about to kick down the door. It all makes sense because it capitalizes on the promise, right? We never get to see that in the games because inherently the Covenant are always engaged with you and they're not like torturing civilians or whatnot. And now we get to see that promise fulfilled. That's really entertaining for me. That's very interesting. It makes it makes it resonate with me from a storytelling perspective. Now, things that I didn't like so much, I think they've got a serious editing issue. Like some scenes are just held too long and there's a little too much quiet time in between the, the loud times. And I get that there's a lot of character building going on at first. I'm down with that. I just think that it's not edited very well yet. Now, mind you, I'm only two episodes in, so we'll, we'll see as the, the series progresses. But I will say this. I want to watch more. I want to see where it goes. And I'm not having the same issue that I did with Wheel of Time, which is to say that it was the worst thing I've ever seen, maybe. <laughs> well, that's not true. Now that we're doing this Stephen King exponent, uh, uh, you know, like... We'll get there. We'll get yeah. there. Oh, baby, are we redefining what it's like to be at the bottom of the ocean? Um, I watched season four of Drive to Survive because I'm a big F1 fan. Uh, and it was kind of okay. So here's the deal. I really like the show. I love the way they shoot the show and they get the car porn aspect of it. Like super right. Like, Oh my God, the, the camera work that they do and how they shoot the show is, is just downright gorgeous because I'm a F1 super fan and I follow this stuff like crazy. They are totally blowing some of the drama out of proportion and they are making conflict where no conflict exists sometimes through clever editing. And that to me just kind of from a journalistic perspective irritates me. Like there's plenty of drama in F1. That's the reason why it's a 75 year old sport that, um, you know, millions of people watch all around the world. You don't need to add to it. Just show what's there and highlight it with, with the beauty that they do. And you're, you'll be fine. You don't need to make more finish peacemaker. Episode seven, right? All of them. Watched it all the way through. Yeah, but it episode is, seven. Episode oof. seven. Oh, yeah. Oh. Dude, that, that show from start to finish is, it is, it's a masterclass in characterization. It's, it's, it's like James Gunn is sitting there flexing and like, he's, he's like, hey, other writers, you want to see what it's like to, to write a, a deep human character that's, that's inherently flawed, but trying to be better. Boom. There it is. And also vigilante. Oh my God. Also vigilante. (laughs) (laughs) I still stand by when, when he's standing behind peacemaker and peacemakers refusing to take the shot and he just kind of pats him on the shoulder and says, it's okay. It's okay. I got this. I got this. Like if you really stop and analyze that, that's the most sociopathic thing I've I've ever seen on a TV show ever. And at the same time, you're sitting there going like, you God, he loves him. That's real sweet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know he's about to shoot a family from like 500 meters, but Hey, this love, <laughs> what a messed up show. Like really like in all the right ways, but totally messed up. Bre- Brendan uh, chimed in and he said, uh, he's watching the peacemaker. And if anything, Jonathan underplayed how good it is. So it's remarkable. I mean, yeah. like I, I, you don't really get a sense for just how remarkable it is until you get to completion um, and you 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 see the entire arc and the growth that happens in some of these characters. I mean, it's just remarkable and, and executed to perfection on every level. And also, everybody needs an eagle in their life. Mm-hmm. If I ever got a hug from Bald Eagle, I think I'd cry now. 
I've started watching season seven of Alone. Have you ever watched that show? No. Um, ten people get dropped off in out in the wilderness, and they have to survive as long as they can off the land alone. And some people crack from being alone. Some people crack because they can't get enough calories. Some people crack because they hurt themselves. But like inherently, almost everybody cracks. It's amazing. It makes you realize just how much we need each other, even when you don't like each other. You need each other. It's it's interesting. I really enjoy that show a lot. Um, started watching season three of Lost in Space. I don't know. Maybe I'll get back to it. Maybe I won't. I don't know. It's not catching me. I enjoyed the first season. The second season was just okay. And this one, this one's just like, hey, remember that promise we made to you at the end of season two where we were just going into just okay land? Yeah, yeah, we're going all in now. Um, I watched a documentary that made me cry like a baby. Um, Schumacher, um, which was a, a documentary on Michael Schumacher, who is one of my driving heroes from Formula One years past. He was really big in the late 90s and early 2000s. And you get to see how he was with his family uh, before his accident. And you get to see how he was as a competitor. And you get to see all aspects of him. And like, it's really, 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 really tough when your your heroes are so humanized to see them suffer. Like that, it just, I don't know. As a parent, as somebody who's, you know, in their mid-40s at this point, like, it's tough to see your heroes go down. It's 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 really a difficult thing to swallow. I don't know how else to put it. I highly recommend it. It's exquisitely put together. You get to see a true portrait of, a, you know, an interesting good human, but if you at all were a fan of his, like, it's it's tough to watch, especially as as when you see interviews with his kids and you realize just how much he deeply loved them and how he's affected them. And, you know, then he has this huge accident and it's very obvious he's not himself anymore. And yeah, it's just tough. It's tough to watch as a parent. Um, watch another documentary called Downfall, The Case Against Boeing, about um, how Boeing totally screwed up the 737 MAX project and ended up having two of them go down and a lot of people lost their life. And yeah, it's absolutely disturbing. I'm glad that this stuff got brought to light and I'm glad that people were held accountable for it. And it also shows how a good company that does everything right for so many years can get absorbed into a much larger company uh, and completely lose their what what they hold important and therefore lose the whole point of what they do. I highly suggest it. I mean, it's 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 upsetting. It's really tough to see parents sitting there talking about the kids that they lost like that. That that hurts. And it's also upsetting to see, you know, how everything came down to capitalism and profit. But at the same time, it's still important to sit there and watch it and acknowledge it, you know. Um, watch The Adam Project with everybody's favorite buffoon, uh, Ryan Reynolds. How was it? Much better than I thought it was going to be. It was, I would say it's like, you remember the feeling when you came out of the movie theater and you just watched the, the what was it, The Navigator? Mm-hmm. Was that what it was called? The Navigator? Just The Navigator? Was, was that the one with DiCaprio as uh, Howard Hughes? No, no, no. That was The Aviator. Oh, Flight of the Navigator. Flight of the Navigator. Thank you. Yeah. I, I thought there was more to the title. Do you remember when you were a kid and you came out of the movie theater after watching that and you were like, yeah, man, like, I feel really good. This is awesome. It, it, it gave me that feeling. It gave me that feeling a lot. 
it's a great movie to watch with your kids. It's still got sass. It's still got things that as an adult you can hang your hat on. Um, but it's safe to watch with, you know, six and above, I would say seven and above. Um, I mean, there's some, there's some violence, but it's not like gory or anything. I, I just, I had a really good time. I bet you could watch it with, um, Eowyn and you, you, you guys would have a blast. Yeah. And I have spent an ungodly amount of time watching the F1 2022 season. Um, I've watched all 24 hours of testing in Bahrain. I've watched all the, the released footage from testing in Barcelona. Um, I watched all the practice sessions for both of the races that have occurred, watched the qualifying and then watched both races. Hell, I watched the second race twice because I enjoyed it so much. Like they did this big giant rules revamp this year and the cars are way different and it's kind of like flattened out the playing field and people that were terrible before all of a sudden really good. And the midfield is really, really tight and Ferrari's back, baby like that. Oh man, this, this season is turning into something special. Like F1 2022 is just turning into something glorious and it's only two races old out of like a calendar i think of 23 races this year so i am excited it's gonna be a good year for formula one well before we move on brendan watched the movies too he went and watched all of the final destination movies and then ranked them for wow yeah there's an exercise in like self-loathing i appreciate that so he said uh in terms of quality the 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 order is uh, one, five, three, two, and four. And he said five was a, a dude. Five is conf- five is like the biggest surprise ever. I've never seen any of them, so I may have to watch them now. He got me. Oh, he got dude. Me intrigued. You could he almost like skip two through four, but one and five are great. <laughs> uh, there are problems, but also really good lessons learned from the rest of the series. And four is garbage. Uh, he also watched a movie called Slacks with three X's, I think. Uh, he linked <laughs> it. <It's- laughs> now I got a Google something. Oh, no, no, no. It's not what you think. It's a horror movie about a murderous pair of pants. And he said, file that in the how the hell did this get made file that we love to pull Dude, movies Dude, we from. have a movie about a homicidal tire. I don't hold anything against Hollywood <laughs> anymore. I mean, for God's sakes, we got Manimal. Oh, it's two X's, two X's. When a possessed pair of jeans begins to kill the staff of a trendy clothing store, it's up to Libby, the ide- an idealistic young sales clerk, to stop its bloody rampage. Slacks. Oh. Available on Shudder. god this makes me want a shutter account i know right i know there's a bunch of stuff that i really want to watch on shutter yeah i mean all right they all look like terrible movies but like all the right kind of terrible all right all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna go through my stuff because brendan you might have just earned slack slacks or not slacks uh shutter a a a new subscriber soon (laughs) all right so uh star trek discovery wrapped up and and golf clap uh, I was afraid that they would go with a, a callback because they love the callbacks, but no, man, they went, they went real weird with their finale, like real weird. And I'm like, bravo discovery. You like stood up on your own. I, I approve. I approve. It was, it, it ended pretty interestingly and it ended very Trek. I was, I was very pleased with, with how everything wrapped up. Uh, overall season four was kind of a return to sort of trekkiness. There was a little bit more, you know, mystery solving and exploring new stuff and and you know and then they had their you know the last half of the season was their big meta plot blah 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 but overall can, it was can, good can i really quickly just say that one of my favorite things about watching halo on upn yeah that one was intentional um was the fact that nobody was crying their eyes out in the middle of the halo episodes just saying <laughs> 
You know what? They got away Just from that saying. a little bit too. They got away from that a little bit. I too. hope so, because season three was really pissing me off. If it makes you feel any better, uh, the finale of season four had uh, govern governor uh, was it Georgia governor candidate uh, Stacey Abrams? Is it Abrams? Stacey Abrams? Yes. Yes. Yeah. She so. she played the president of Earth in that in the finale. Uh, I heard through the I, I was reading an article and when basically they wanted to hire her for that little basically a cameo. She's on screen for probably like 30 seconds. But when they hired her for that, she said, I'm a Trekkie and I love it and I'll do it. Uh, I want it written in the contract that you can't give me any spoilers because I don't want to know. And they're like, OK, <laughs> so, yes, yes. But uh, yeah, can I can I go ahead and just profess my undying love for Stacey Abrams right now? Hmm. Not just because she's a Trekkie. I did not actually know that until you just said it just now. Um, I just love her. It makes her. it better. It, it totally makes it better. Yeah. I, anytime anybody is like, I really like Star Trek. I'm like, oh, you're, well, you're good people then. Dude, she, <laughs> she lost the gubernatorial race for um, Georgia because of some messed up things that they did to the voting laws there. And so she turned around and like, recruited the largest voting base the state has ever seen and totally turned it on the next election. And that just, mm-hmm. oh, that's a level of go after yourself that I can frankly get behind. Like, God, she is, she's one of my political heroes right now. I think she's amazing. I, if I ever met her, I might cry like legitimately. I think she's amazing. Well, there you go. Well, then you should watch discovery cause she's in it. I, you know what? That's going to make me go back and watch it. I got to tell you. And the <laughs> fact that she put it in her contract to not get spoilers just makes me that much more in awe of her. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, Picard is now on episode five. Yeah. 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 I got to start watching that. I got to start watching that. I don't know. I, um, I've been enjoying it. You know, I've been seeing people critique it a lot and I'm like, you know, it's like, oh, the writing's not good. I'm like, the writing's better than anything we saw on TNG. I'm, I'm having, it's fine. I want to see Picard be Picard and QBQ. Like, that's all I really gave a crap about. And it's happening. And I love it. I, and, I loved uh, season one. Am I going to be frustrated or am I going to love it? Um, I don't know. Uh, it's much like Picard season one. Season two seems to be kind of love it or hate it. I, I, I don't know where people fall. Then again, my nitpicky friend's the one nitpicking it. So who knows? But I, I'm enjoying it. I, I, I mean, I didn't fun. nitpick the first one. I thought the first season was actually rather brilliant. Okay. Well, you'll probably like the second one. All right. We'll see how to uh, tell you what, get back to me when, uh, we'll see if they stick the landing. Cause that'll be the big key. Oh, the, oh, the landing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then Godzilla marathon. Oh my God. So my boy miles decided that he wants my undying love. And apparently he also figured out that I have a really, really hard time saying no to Godzilla. Uh, I mean, so, I can't blame you there. So, um, I rented from the library cause I really wanted to watch, uh, there were, there was like one Godzilla movie I've never seen. And I, I'm like, you know what? I need to fix this situation. So I, I rented it. But the thing is I had to rent it as a part of a big giant collection, which had every movie in the millennium series. And so my boy saw it and he's like, what's this daddy? And I'm like, Oh, it's Godzilla movies. And he's like, I want to watch it. I'm like, all right. So we, we started watching them and he, he's like, I love Godzilla. I love King Ghidorah. King Ghidorah is my favorite. And so uh, we ended up buying that collection because he loved it so much. He loved Godzilla Final Wars. And the best part is I, I watched Godzilla Final Wars once and I thought it was stupid and I kind of hated it. And then watching it with like five-year-old boy energy, like uh, that movie got way better because it's just real stupid. But like just sort of enjoying it on a five-year-old, like watching awesome, stupid crap happening on a screen, I, I, I kind of got into it again. It yeah, was nice. I could that is too. the beauty of having children, you know, like 
they they let you look on things with fresh eyes sometimes, and, and those fresh eyes make things better occasionally. But yes, so I watched Godzilla 2000, Godzilla vs. Megaguirus, Godzilla Mothra and King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters All Out Attack, which is still my favorite Godzilla movie of all time. Uh, Godzilla gets back at Godzilla. Godzilla Tokyo SOS, which is the one I'd never seen. Uh, Godzilla Final Wars. And then we also watched Godzilla 2014, Godzilla King of Monsters, and Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh. So, yeah, we watched That's a lot all of, of the stuff. Guys. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just yeah. recently watched Godzilla 2014 not too long ago. Um, yeah. I think, honestly, every time I watch it, in addition to the, the first couple times that I watched it, like I'm liking it more with each passing watch. You know, seeing how the series went off the rails, uh, like going back to it was really fascinating because I, um, I kind of forgot how much promise that series had that they kind of just pissed away. I, I stand by the fact that I... I think that the two best movies in that in that universe right now are OG Godzilla, 2014 Godzilla, and Kong Skull Island. And that after that, they tried to go... They tried to embrace all the wacky, like, 60s, 70s uh, Godzilla era. But they're not doing era. it right. Like, no. I don't know how else to say it. It feels like pandering. It doesn't feel like love. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's the thing. Garth Edwards, like Garth Edwards, whatever that guy's Gareth. name is. He, Gareth Edwards, he loved Godzilla. And so it showed. It, 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 it showed. doesn't feel like pandering. And and my favorite part of the Godzilla movies is that like Godzilla is completely oblivious to people. Like we are ants. Like I take my dog on a walk every day and sometimes I'll accidentally step on ants without even realizing. You know, it's it, funny. Right? I, I, that's I, us I use that. to him. I, I use that exact same analogy with it, with why I liked it. Because, no, we're not exactly ants to him. Um, because there's a scene early on when he's swimming towards the flotilla of ships, and he purposely dives under the boats to not hit them. That's and true. He, he, and he does it on purpose. Because we are just ants. Like, if he's if he's fighting and he steps on us, he doesn't really feel bad about it. But he's also not a dick. Like, if he sees an ant hill, he's oh, not yeah, going to go kick yeah. it over. No, if I, if, I see the, if I see the trail of ants, I will very intentionally step over it, too. I get that. I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, but, but I, like I that. also but it have gave zero guilt if I accidentally step on him. I'm like, oh, right, oh, right. Oops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but I, it, again, it says something about Godzilla's character in that that he a has one, you know. But yeah, it's like he notices the little things, and he's like, oh, all right. Well, I I don't really like killing the little things if I don't have to. Yeah. Or you know. But so at the like, same time, if he's in a city and he's getting a- attacked or or fighting. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't care. He, <laughs> he's just like ab yeah, He doesn't give crap that he just you know knocked into a multi-billion dollar building he just like oops my bad yeah moving on yeah yeah no but i I liked it yeah yeah because godzilla actually had character in that one which was fascinating like because that's something he lacks in a lot of movies a lot of Godzilla movies does really well is it tells the human uh story well you know yeah yeah yeah, which is something, especially King of Monsters, just completely, completely and, and pooped the bed on. When that movie came out, there was a lot of hate for it, saying, mm-hmm. oh, you know, Godzilla's barely on screen, but this, that, and the other. But, you know, honestly, as, as somebody who absolutely adores Godzilla, if you go back and watch the original Godzilla movie, it's the same thing. It's all about the buildup. It's not about Godzilla being on screen for half the movie. Yeah, and actually, like people say, he was barely in the movie. It's like of all the Godzilla movies, it was on the lower end, but it's not even the the Godzilla movie the with least amount of Godzilla. And no. and in fact, the original had less. I than was gonna, that I was just about to say, I bet if we went back with stopwatches, that the original would have less. Yeah, but, no, but people it did. people like the idea of Godzilla, but very few people I think have gone back and watched the original Godzilla cinemas. 
Right. No, of course they haven't. Anyway, we, we this is all ground we've covered before. Godzilla, very Godzilla's true. Very true. Anyway, Godzilla. If you haven't, still got a lot of love you ha- yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen it, by the way, the the uh, movie Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah: Giant Monsters All Out Attack is fantastic. Speaking is that of, the one with the 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 weird photographer person? No, no. It's about a reporter. Uh, the, the human story is a lady reporter and her dad who's in the military and is uh, part of the Godzilla response. Um, the reason that one's good is um, there was a guy, kind of an up-and-coming filmmaker, and he wanted to film a Godzilla movie, and Toho told him to get bent. And so he went over to a rival film company and made the the Gamera trilogy, the more modern Gamera trilogy. And those are great. Yeah. Those are great movies. And so because those movies were good, like Toho came back and said, hey, you want to make a Godzilla movie? And he's like, sure. And so he made Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters, All Out Attack. And yeah, it's it's he he knows his craft, so he knows how to make the suitmation look cool. And yeah, he just, he knows how to hit all those notes and he loves it. Like he loves Godzilla and it shows. And even though he makes Godzilla like this uber bad guy in it, like, like literally his eyes are white because he's got all the dead souls of sailors that died in World War II coming back for revenge against the empire. (laughs) Like, like Godzilla's literally an undead beast in that movie. (laughs) Um, He he loves it still. Like there's just, there's, yeah, I I don't know. Like he wanted to make Godzilla scary again and he made Godzilla real freaking scary. and, And it's great. It's a great little movie. I love it. And the best part is uh, it has the first woman who played one of the Godzilla monsters because she plays Berrigan. And if you look at behind the scenes stuff, she uh, was really into it and she growled when uh, she was doing her scenes. And the original audio is adorable because it's this, uh, you know, lady going like, rawr, rawr. <laughs> and and when the, the monster roars because she actually controlled the mouth. So good times. It's fun to watch. You know, makes bargains th- super things cute. like that just make me love people more. Yeah, yeah, no, I, oh, I love the behind the scenes. I, I wish, I wish actors got into their craft more like that. Like when I saw video of Benedict Cumberbatch crawling around on the ground wearing the mocap suit to do the the dragon capture for um, the Hobbit trilogy, like how can you just not love the guy for getting that into being a dragon? <laughs> like I get you, I see you, Benedict. Well played. I love you too. Well, unfortunately, it is not streaming anywhere from what it looks like. I, I borrowed it from the library, but here, I will send you the link if you want to see it. I mean, it, it I've seen my- it at some point. I just, I get them all, you know, there's yeah, been well, so freaking many. It's, it's easy to get the names confused sometimes. Yeah, and they all step all over each other's tropes and stuff, but uh, that's my, my favorite, my favorite one. Anyway. All right. And I, let's see, are there, is there anything else with the fans in movies? I don't think so. I think we're good. So are we moving on? We are finally moving on. Reading. Yes. Okay. Uh, you got more than I do, so you go first this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I read, um, I finished that book, To Love a Vampire, which I got from the library in South Carolina, and it was, yeah, it was all right. Um, part of my Dracula obsession. Uh, I got the Swedish edition of Dracula, and I read that, and that was weird and really, really cra- classist and racist. And uh, I'm really annoyed because there's going to be that. Is like, that the one that you sent me, the, the, the little section of it? From? <laughs> yeah Ooh. yeah oh there were a lot of problems there man i i know it's it's like it's like the whoever translated into swedish it's like just sitting there's like man there's just not enough sexism and classism and racism in this book we just <laughs> i need to up that hold my beer just, yeah yeah and then um because we're playing the dracula dossier the dracula dossier is what they call an improvised campaign and it's a campaign system that uh pell grain press came up with um 
And they released another one in that ilk. It's called Fearful Symmetries for Trail of Cthulhu. And they had a GM's Day sale where all their PDFs were like half off. So I'm like, yes, please, I'll go buy that. Um, it's very similar to the Dracula dossier. The, the Fearful Symmetries is the director's handbook. And then there's the book of New Jerusalem. Uh, I can't even say Jerusalem right now. Gosh darn it. I hate, the, I hate it when I can't do that. Anyway, they have another book like the, uh, the Dracula and Redacted um, that's like in universe. And it's about, uh, it's based off of the poetry of some guy that I forgot. So I'm just going to look it up. It's based off the poetry of William Blake, who was like an occultist and had re- religious visions and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's about, you are a wizard in England trying as part of a magical revival in the thirties and also Cthulhu cause fun. So I don't know. I haven't gotten too far into it because uh, it's a lot to grok and I'm, I'm trying to keep Dracula in my head. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, the improvised campaigns are, are great. So there we go. Jonathan. So I haven't had a ton of time for reading lately, but I did get a chance to sit down with the Area 51 book that you read just a little bit back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have been really enjoying it. It's very well researched. Like, you know, a lot of these stories have been published before, but never as a compendium using Area 51 as the linchpin to hook them all together. And I, I can tell you from reading many a historical account from the pilots that these this is a, a very well-researched tome. And it's been very, very fun to read so far. I've been really fascinated by it. And up until this point, and I'm about three quarters of the way through it, so you told me that I'm, I'm getting to the point where it makes a hard left soon, but uh, up until this <laughs> point, it's been very grounded in reality, which I really appreciate. <laughs> oh boy, does it. So okay, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it at this point. <laughs> but like you, it, it gives you a very interesting perspective on the Cold War and and why they were so secretive and why they treated things the way that they did. And it also reminds you just how terrible governments can be. Yeah, yeah. And and how little they value certain aspects of life. Like, the U.S. government sucks mm-hmm. sometimes. And this is one of those times. If, if nothing else, take the time to find a copy of this book and read through the section where it's talking about the nuclear testing and how little they did to protect people. It's gross. And granted, I know that there's a degree of um, of them just not knowing any better because the science was new. But then once they establish some things, they just continue. Mm-hmm. And they don't care about the people. Mm-hmm. They send people in to areas that they know just got irradiated. Mm-hmm. Also, they're setting off bombs without even knowing whether or not it's going to burn a hole in the atmosphere. That seems a little short-sighted. I'm just saying. Aren't you glad a new Cold War is starting, my, or, uh, Jonathan? Oh, yeah. I'm really excited about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Vlad. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Really glad that you could bring this old specter out of our closet after 30 years. Yeah, yeah. It was a good run. It was a good run. I mean, I, I grew up in Southern California in a city with seven military bases in it. Oh, yeah. We did nuclear drills growing up. All the time. Oddly enough, it was the exact same thing as when we had an earthquake drill. You just get under your desk. And let me tell you, as an adult who studied the science, that's not going to do you shit. Like, <laughs> no, you know what I mean? B- between uh, those military bases, like, yeah, I. by the time you got word to do that, you, you oh, would be gone. Dude, 
He'd just be gone. <laughs> there wouldn't be time to get underneath the table and put put your your arms above the back of your neck. You're just gonna be a vapor at that point. There's nothing stopping that. Yeah, that part in Terminator Two. You're just sitting at your desk and you catch on fire, and then you know yeah. the shockwave blows your the <laughs> ashes off your bones. Like Sarah Connor, yeah, no. the good times. Yeah. No, I mean like. I, I grew up with that paranoia. I grew up with that fear. And putting that away was good. Mm-hmm. We didn't need that back. So thanks, Vladimir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super duper. Anyway, sorry to bring the podcast down. Glad you're enjoying the book. <laughs> it's by Annie, you know, Annie there's only There's only one thing I can say at this point, Robert, and that is Slava Ukraini. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And f*** you, Putin. All right. Well, all we got left is video games. I've been uh, I've been playing City Skylines, and I fell down that rabbit hole again. And I mean, I've also been playing random other stuff, but nothing's really grabbed me recently. Ooh, I I have been playing a a game kind of similar to City Skylines. Um, so uh, in during the break, a new F one game was announced. It's not a racing game, uh, rather it's a management game where you take control of a team and you have to manage, you know, all aspects of it. Right. Um, and you'd never get in the car and drive. Instead, you are the team principal. So you're the guy sitting on the wall, making all the decisions for the whole team about, you know, when do you pit and, you know, what are we working on with the car and stuff like that. Right, right. And it is from Frontier Games, who are, of course, the folks that gave us the wonderful Jurassic Park games and Planet Zoo and Planet Coaster. So I ended up buying Planet Coaster and I've been having a great time with that. Yeah, maybe I should, Such a great I should dust that off. I have that on the PlayStation. I actually bought it. Planet Coaster is, is, is basically utilizing the same gameplay loop as Jurassic Park, except with roller coasters. And that's cool. <laughs> and did I buy all of the expansion packs because they were on sale on Steam? Maybe. Is the Slimer roller coaster awesome? Yes. yes absolutely. Yes, it is. Needed it. Mm-hmm. No regrets. Zero. Yeah, that's a lovely game. So... I've decided that Frontier is becoming one of my favorite developers. I love everything that they touch, and they're amazing. Cool. Oh, we forgot to do. Uh, we forgot to say that we played Knights Black Agents two weeks ago. We did. We, we did. did. Um, and it continues to be awesome. And our little heist was super fun. Like that was goofy <laughs> in all the right ways. I had so much fun that session, and I cannot wait to get back to it. And I felt extra guilty last night when I had to cancel on you because I had a terrible, terrible migraine. So I, I am sorry. Me and Gina had a lovely conversation with Ray because you went to bed early yesterday, and uh, he was uh, he he was he was talking about how fun the game is and uh, how he really liked that. Um, uh, <laughs> he, he, he said I pulled a, a GM like a whole trick where you know it's like you did this heist and you guys like spent a bunch of your resources like doing this heist and then I'm immediately going to put you into what in the middle of what they're what he's assuming is going to be a pretty pretty hefty firefight. And he's like really nervous about it because he's like, oh, my God, like we're going to we're just going to walk into something where we're going to have to kill a bunch of people, aren't we? And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, that would be awesome. Like my my guy excels at violence. So I'm really excited. Right. Right. So but I, he, he was just like, oh, well played, Robert. Like and, and he's like, you know, and I, I, we were they were doing all this stuff to prepare to fight this one person. And now you're going to fight them before you get it anyway. And it's just like, ah, oh, nah. So. <laughs> what was it that I made you guys laugh so hard? I can't remember. Oh, I don't. Re- oh, what did I shoot? I shot something. I, oh, I shot the guard with the trank gun because <laughs> he annoyed me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, he didn't annoy me. I just thought it would be funny because that would totally be what the character would do. Uh, oh, did you see the piece of art I, I was working on? Yes, that's cool. Yeah, the group shot. Yeah, it's good times. Little Reservoir Dogs flavor to it. I like it. 
the only other video game I've been playing is Gran Turismo 7, uh, which if you're a Gran Turismo fan, it's a really good Gran Turismo game. Um, although the economy's kind of messed up. Like I, I, I think they're going to readjust it, but right now like things are too expensive. It's too grindy. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our extended off the shelf segment. Uh, this happens every time we take a little break. So, um, strap in for commercial time and when we return, it will be time for our wisdom of crowds, which, uh, should be interesting. We love getting feedback. So please let us know how we're doing by one of the following. You can become our patron over at Patreon. Search for Forgot My Dice. We also have a Discord page where we organize games and chat about all sorts of stuff. Find the link on our website, ForgotMyDice.com. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitters. Find us at ForgotMyDice. And of course, you can email us at FMDPodcast2016 at gmail.com. Or you can head on over to our website, ForgotMyDice.com, where all of our episodes are available, plus game reviews and other content. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Last of you, for those of you listening in the village, call the operator, give your number, and ask for us to be put on the rotation. Robert, this, this needs to stop. Listen, I'll, I'll make you a deal. I will not make any deals with you. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. Oh, God, I'm going to cut his cord. And welcome back from the break. It is now time for our Wisdom of Crowd segment. That is, of course, the segment where we talk about all of our tabletop news. And there's quite a bit to discuss this time because it's been a little bit since the last time we met. So I think a couple of cons actually happened. Yeah, they did. <laughs> like Adepticon happened and there was like announcements, like miniature announcements there, which never happens at Adepticon. But it's like it's it's a con with miniatures here. There's new stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, continuing the trend of video games jumping to board games, we are getting Dead by Daylight, the board game from Level 99 Games. Uh, that is, of course, the uh, publisher of Millennium Blades, uh, the um, Pixel Tactics and quite a few others like they've been around for a bit. Survivors are going to have a bunch of different perks that they can um, they can tap into. Uh, killers will have their own special powers that they can tap into. And it's going to be a game that consists of um, movement paths that are all connected. Uh, whether or not there'll be more than one is kind of interesting. I don't know. I, I don't see this in the press release. But the paths will require different types of movements to traverse. So um, there'll be a gameplay aspect where you have to farm the different types of movement and control them. Survivors are going to get an opportunity to select between a bunch of different movement cards, use the ones that get them the furthest away, um, and all the survivors go, and then the killer goes, and apparently that is how the game works. So the retail version will have seven survivors and six killers, there will also be a collector's edition floating around with 17 survivors and 16 killers, um, as well as miniatures for generators and hooks. So there's your feel good. So that is Dead by Daylight, the board game coming from Level 99 Games. And here's one that I picked just for you, buddy. Renegade Game Studios has announced a new cooperative game. It's a deck building game. Are you ready? My Little Pony Adventures in Equestria deck building game. Mm, mm, where you nah. will assume the role of one of the ponies of Equestria. Hey, uh, hey, Jonathan. Yes. 
2019 called and they want their My Little Pony jokes back at my expense because I... I'm not saying this is an expense at your expense. I know you enjoyed the show, so I'm trying to get into your fandom. I don't know. I don't always do it on the show because positive podcasts, but uh, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic has been off the air for uh, half a decade at this point. You know, it's just not not doing it for me. I probably shouldn't talk smack on this game because you're you're reading a news story about it. But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I think it's the same engine as the um, Transformers deck building. That would make sense because they've got all of the Hasbro licenses to make yeah, games out of their yeah, properties. Yeah, but I mean, they did such a good job capturing the Transformers aspects in the Transformer one. Uh, and I, I would be curious to see how they they capture the license here. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll be a bad thing. No, no. I mean, Renegade makes good stuff. I've, I've never yeah. played a bad Renegade game. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised you're not talking about the other one that I know about. But maybe maybe you did in the last episode. It's been a while, so who knows? I can't remember. Well, there you go. There will be six different characters uh, from the My, My Little Pony universe. Twelve hurdle cards. I don't know what those do. Lots of adventure cards. Lots of starter cars. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is just the Transformers engine kind of redone. Yeah, makes sense. With a lot more pink and purple. Well, you know, like you do. So there you go. My Little Pony Adventures in Equestria will be out sometime during Q2 of this year. All right, Jonathan. This is a little bit old news at this point, but I liked it, so we're going to keep going with it. You know how Wizards of the Coast releases magic sets every so often, right? I've heard that they've done that once or twice. Right, right, right. Okay, so so the new one's on a new world called uh, uh, New Capina. Yeah, New Capina, okay? And there is apparently a bit of a uh, controversy, okay? So I'm going to try to spell it to you. I'm going to try to spell it out. You ready for it? Sitting down? You, You... Got a drink, you know, ready to spit it out when you when you figure out this controversy? Yeah, go for it. Okay, okay. So the new setting for magic is in a large magical city where there's um where there's these uh That's weird. There's a magical city and magic the gathering? Yeah, yeah. Weird. Well but there's the there's these groups and they're like crime syndicates, but they're uh they're run by uh by families. What, what what's that called, Jonathan? Um I believe that is organized crime. Right, right. Ma- mafia. The mafia. Yeah, specifically. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Okay. Okay. So one of the things that they fight over is a resource that they all can tr- try to control, which is a substance called Halo. Mm, that's definitely not heroin. No, no, Jonathan. It's not. Halo. It's Halo. It's heroin. I mean, it's Halo. not. No, 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 I, no. It's heroin. No. Did I pronounce Jonathan, that properly? Jonathan. No, Jonathan. Halo. Jonathan. Halo. Jonathan. Halo's not a drug. Jonathan, Halo's Sorry. not a drug. Watsy Wrong said Halo. so. Jonathan, Halo's not a drug. Watsy said so. They released an article. Halo's not a drug. Okay? Totally not a drug. Got it. Right. Okay, so. You just put it in anyway, your mouth Halo. and then, like, magic happens? Well, as a wizard, it gives you more magic, which, you know, might alter your mood for the better because you get more mojo. And you could take it. What, what you're saying swallow- is it, it, it ups their magic almost like they're getting higher? Yes, like higher level magic. But higher levels of right. magic. High. high. Higher, it's uh, high, high magic. Yeah, high, high, yeah, high, high it's magic. High fantasy. Yeah, it's right. high because they're high. So you can, you can take it as crystals or you can vaporize it <laughs> wow. and breathe it in. Yeah. <laughs> but it's totally not a drug. Got it. Uh, or you can add it to a drink. <laughs> I believe that's illegal in most states. Anyway, so if if you took something that gave Just you higher a magic, full of magic makes the right, right, or or if you if you pop it in your mouth like a pill, but it's it's a magic crystal, or you put it in your drink, or you huff it, what what would you what would you think that that is like, Jonathan? 
Definitely not heroin. It's not a drug. Wizards said Halo's not a drug. Yeah, definitely not a drug. Okay. So anyway, for the pre-release, they were like, hey, you know, to get in the spirit of it, you know, pushing Halo on, on your wizard customers, uh, you should have fun stuff to get you in the mood. Like maybe you should have odd flavored Kool-Aid or maybe you should get rock candies and then everybody can pretend that they're taking the Halo, Jonathan. So when you're at a party and someone's like handing out mood altering substances, what what's that called? What 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 is that? <laughs> Definitely not a drug. It's not a drug. <laughs> Halo's not a drug. So anyway, I don't know why, but the people on the internet are really upset that Wizards suggested that you should, you know, pass out like you know crystal pills or you know. I mean, like I feel like this was attempted before. <laughs> Remember candy cigarettes? Kind of the same thing. <laughs> yeah. How'd Halo's that work out, Wizards? Halo, Halo's not, but anyway, it got so bad that Wizards had to release an article explaining how Halo's not a drug. And of course like, they did. <laughs> oh, oh, and here we thought that progress was being made. All right, <laughs> moving forward. It's not. It's not a lack of progress. It's obviously somebody just not paying attention and not thinking too hard about it. <laughs> so you see, there's this thing, right? Right. And it's this plant that grows in the magic universe. And right, people right. people take it and refine it into this powder that makes your magic stronger. Oh, you mean like cocaine? Right. No, it's not f-ing like cocaine. It's not a drug. It's not a drug. it's not a drug. It makes your magic stronger. Yeah, it makes your magic higher. It gives you high magic. High. Totally high. So so like yeah. cocaine. No, no, not cocaine. <laughs> it's not a drug. John. But you do you you can sniff it. Yes, I would assume you could take a crystal and then like yeah. mash it in the powder. Yeah, it's, and then it's very like, common. It's very common for magicians to sit by and and take like a card and separate it into lines, which they then inhale. Um, it's it's faster way to get the magic to them. So like cocaine. You know what? Maybe no, maybe, it's not cocaine. Stop saying not, cocaine. Right, right, right. Not cocaine. Not a drug. Not a drug. Not a drug. You know, not you could drug. do that with your magic cards. So you could separate the powder you make out of the halo into, into lines. That you could start with with a magic card. Like I've seen some tone deaf things out of American <laughs> companies before, but dear God, like this is just. Like, is this 1983 again? Like this is candy cigarettes all over again. I what know, are they thinking? I don't know, man. It's funny, though. Oh, my God. And the fact uh, that they keep insisting it's not like just lean into it at this point. Like, OK, yeah, yeah it is. Ah, look at us. Yeah, I don't think they want to say it's like, yeah, totally pretend to take drugs with, you know, 13 year olds in your magic store. That's probably not something they want to do. Uh, they, it, it, mistakes were made, Jonathan. Mistakes were made. People yeah, didn't but they, clear- they don't back <laughs> away from their mistake. They, they like quadruple down on it. They're like, no, really, it's not a drug, because if we say it strongly enough, it won't be. If anyway, we use our yeah. big words and we describe how it's not a drug, it'll be fine. <laughs> Are, are, let me just ask you real quick before we move on. Okay. Are, are there people bailing this stuff and taking it across borders in boats and submarines and selling it on the street to other magicians? I, I, I don't know. I don't know the lore, to be honest with you. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't started reading that yet. Because I feel like we're right there. I really you know, honestly, I, I, I hate to dog on this set. Like, they've released the pictures of the, uh, the lands that they're going to do. Does and they're all like bloodshot de- eyes. <laughs> No, no, they're all Art Deco. They're really pretty. Like they're really awesome. Like it's I, not I, cocaine. 
It's not. It's no. It's, it's not. not. But it's oh, not hey, they released some. Car- no, it's not heroin. Yeah. No, but the lands are are rad, man. Like the land here, here. What's your favorite mana color? Green. Green. I mean, come on. Look at that. Oh, that is very pretty. Yeah, the lands are rad. Like yeah. I. Oh, no, I, I don't want to dog. It's really, really good. But, yeah, I don't want to. I know, don't want to dog on the set too hard. There was but, not an opiate problem in the twenties. Not even a little bit. No, 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 that's the that's the other one too. Yeah. That's the other Greenland. This is definitely not opium. <laughs> God, whoopsie! <laughs> yeah. Oh God! All right, and here I thought Wizards was getting better. Oh, that's really pretty. I know, right? Like, like the, the Art the Deco's one. That's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at the look at the art on the spoiler site. Anyway, all right. So this next story we talked a little bit about in the last episode, but I'm 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 hitting on it because now we have an official press release. Transformers deck building game getting a standalone uh, standalone expansion, A Rising Darkness, which is a dope title, just saying. But here's why I bring it up, because they're doing it again. They're doing the same thing they did with the first one. Pre-orders done through Renegade's Game Studios website will receive a bonus pack of promo cards for free. And it's got Jazz as a playable character, who's my favorite character, because Scatman Carruthers is awesome, and he totally gave Jazz life. I thought I thought Jazz was already in the game, though. Well, Jazz is in the game, but apparently this is an alternate. So now I need to get it. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. Anyway, uh, Transformers deck building game, Rising Darkness. You get to play as the Decepticons, which is cool. Um, that's one, something that was missing from the uh, from the first one. So you'll get to play as uh, Megatron, Starscream, uh, Soundwave. And it looks like the Constructicons are uh, represented on the box, too. Uh, although it's not talked about explicitly in the um, in the press release, the fact that they're on the box is a pretty safe bet that they'll be a playable character, which is dope. I would like to see how they do the the Constructicon since they're multiple characters that come together as one character sometimes. Uh, Rising Darkness also introduces a new mode. It's called Team versus Team, um, and, but you do need the Autobots version of the base game uh, to make that happen. So there you go. Now you can have the complete Transformers experience. Because you will now have Decepticons as playable characters. Uh, this it continues to be uh, designed by Dan Blanchett, and art is by Matt Frank. And I got to tell you, uh, as I am an owner of the original, the art is dope. The art is really, 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 really quite nice. So there you go. More Transformers coming. You know what else is coming? You know what else we're getting more of? Hmm. We already talked about how Gale Force 9 has more Dune games in the pipe. Well, now mm-hmm. we're getting another one. Arrakis, Dawn of the Fremen. Designed by Bill Eberl, Jack Kittridge, Peter Olatka, Greg Olatka, and Jack Retta. With artwork from Gaspar Gombos, Janos Gardos, Peter Lerner, Mark Moynar. Oh, man. They're getting harder. Zolt Zabados. And to all of you, I mean, complicated names. I'm sorry if I screwed them up. I tried my best. I'm very sorry. Tell me how to say them. It's set before the beginning of the novels. And you are, of course, fighting for control of Arrakis. But that means that you don't get House Atreides. You are one of the independent Fremen tribes. And all of the um, all of the players get their own Fremen tribe. And you have to make weapons. You have to uh, build sieges to survive. Um, you have to gather what, what scarce resources are available to you and it will be at your FLGS sometime in 2022. I'm going to need a whole brand new, like, 
Ikea shelf just for the Dune games, apparently. I went from having nothing to having, like... What do I have? I got the, the deck builder, the expansion, the main game, the expansion, the quick version of the main game, which apparently also has an expansion coming for it. It's getting ridiculous. And yet I'm not angry about it. Not even a little bit. I love me some Dune. Wizards of the Coast announces Journey Through the Radiant Citadel. This is going to be a new D&D book that's out in... I forgot to write down the release date. <laughs> Whoopsie! Uh, this is a new D&D book that's going to be a new story set on a new setting in the Deep Ethereal called the Radiant Citadel, which is built on the fossilized corpse of a creature that wrapped itself around a giant life-giving gem. So, you? I'm not sure how I feel about that. It's a little gross. It's a little gross. But yeah, and the thing I have does not have a release date. So I guess I didn't. Oh, June, June 21st. There we go. So it'll be released on June 21st. And uh, this one is notable because the book is primarily written by people of color and two thirds of the art is done by people of color. And so the adventures are people trying to channel their, you know, unique experiences from life into D&D adventures, which sounds pretty fun. If this kind of thing makes you buy things, which it works on me, uh, of course, all of the the gamer chuds are up in arms about it because you know, a- anytime a book's primarily written by people of color, they get all mad because you know it should be about talent and not about blah 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 blah. But, you know, uh, let me I, be the first to say, hey guys, shut the f- up, stop it, stop it. I'll just say, you know, gaming is for everybody. And they need yeah. to stop with this crap. Like, it's just useless. It's pointless. And honestly, like, I don't necessarily even want them in my gaming circle if that's the way they're going to be. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I didn't hear any of them. The entire back catalog of adventures is then meets your definition. So you've got plenty to pick from. Go pick one of them. And no less, the just released like a couple of months ago, Journey to the Nether Deep by the Critical Role crew which, you know, love those guys, but they're all they're all hella white. Uh, yeah, you know, it's not like you didn't get anything. So who cares? Like, I don't know. It's stupid. How about this? Just go chew on a piece of broken glass and choke on it. Like, that's that's also an idea, right? I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. Oh, man, that made me think about the ending of Halloween 3. You're welcome. Was it was it Halloween 3? Thanks, Andy. So. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, go have some Halloween 3 candy. There you go. I'm spicy today, Robert. The world's pissing me off, and sh- this really just gets me going. It's two more days till Halloween. 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 Put the mask on. Turn your head into worms. Yeah, there you go. All right, you ready to continue our little uh, 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 flurry of news here? Yeah, surprise me. All right, so you know I love me some Prospero Hall, right? You know I think that they're brilliant. I think they, they've made some amazing games. And so when they announce something, I get really excited because it tends to be really good. Now, I don't know that I was expecting this particular announcement because, well, they went back a little bit. Um, They went back, uh, let's see, hold on, 70 years and, well, almost 70 years. It's uh, 68 years ago and, and picked up the license for Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window. And we're getting a new game. It's a game of deduction and suspense by Prospero Hall's design team. And it's Rear Window, the game. Three to five players, 13 and up, about 40 minutes to play, which is a good time. It's a cooperative, limited communication game 
one person is the director, which I find fascinating. Like that, that they're they're making Alfred Hitchcock a part of the game. Like that's that's understanding the source material. That's brilliant. Uh, the other players have to observe the strange clues and patterns that the director is giving it, and uh, figure out who a murderer is. And there's a, a bunch of other little things that go into it, but this seems really, really fascinating. The best part about it is the cover art is absolutely striking. It, I really, really like it. It's some original art that features the rear window stars. Uh, it's got James Stewart on it, of course, James Kelly, or pardon me, James Kelly, uh, Grace Kelly, and uh, more importantly, in my favorite role from his storied career, Raymond Burr, on the cover of a board game. Hashtag things I didn't see coming. By the way, uh, you can rot in hell, Jonathan. Now I've got that theme from the Alfred Hitchcock Presents stuck in my head, and it won't go. You're welcome. You're welcome. Funeral March of a Marionette. There you go. If, if, you, if you need to hear the song wants to drive it from your mind. All right. And finally, in the there's no wrong time to pump this franchise for money uh, defi- er, um, department, Stronghold Games has launched a new campaign around terraforming Mars, the Ares Expedition, called Ares Expedition Discovery Foundations. It is a expansion pack for the Ares Expedition, uh, and it actually is a three-in-one expansion pack featuring designs by, of course, Jacob Frixilis, uh, and Nick Little, and Sydney Engelstein, who is awesome. I really have enjoyed some of her games. So, uh, it is a game for one to six players with the expansion. Um, that brings up the player count from, I believe it was four up to six. And, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, new awards, new milestones, new upgrades, new wild tags, uh, new variants on how to draft, which is interesting. Uh, a brand new infrastructure track, uh, a bunch of new corporation cards, and also co-op specific corporation cards, which I find very interesting. So there you go. Ares Expedition Discovery Foundations Crisis. And they're expecting it to be here around December of this year, December 2022. Giving themselves plenty of that lead time. Yeah, they're going to need it. The ocean's a busy place right now. True. And there's a lot of dead airspace kind of near Europe. Well, that brings us to the end of our Wisdom of Crowds segment. And also, apparently, Jonathan's rant at world events segment. And it that means don't, it's... Don't sell yourself short, Jonathan. We still got like half the podcast left. That's true. Let's, that's true. Let's see where this goes. That let's means it's goes. time for our king in all things segment. Welcome to lucky part 13 of our 39 part <laughs> series. And boy, Fitting. weren't we lucky, Fitting. Robert. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Turn yeah. on the sarcasm meter because it's time to get in to the lawnmower man. This is our second extra. This is the one we both agreed on that we had to watch because we wanted to hate watch this movie. Oh, God. Uh, and did I ever hate watch it? Did oh, my God. I, it, it, it was worse than I remembered and somehow even worse. Yes. So uh, released in 1992, directed by Brett Lennard, made for a budget of $10 million. It made $32 million, Jonathan, enough that it made a sequel. Yep. Starring Jeff Fahey and Pierce Nibbles Brosnan. Yes, yes. And uh, the second one is called Lawnmower Man Job's War. Not The Lawnmower Man, because, you know, I got to shave that the off, I guess. Well, because that means that they can go make a third one called The Lawnmower Man 2, and it'll be fine. 
remember the Fast and the Furious, and then Fast and Furious, and then the Fast and the Furious? Yeah. 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 All right. I'm still hung up on that. Okay, so the original short story is about a guy who has a lawn. Ser- he needs his lawn serviced, so he hires a dude, and the lawnmower is driving itself, and the dude's eating grass because he's like a satyr or something, and he's a cultist. He kills the dude. It's it's kind of vague what goes on. Uh, it's it's a weird little story. I read it once. It wasn't particularly good, and so yeah, I don't know how they got like this kind of like remake of Flowers for Algernon uh, using like magic VR out of that, but that's that's what they did. That's what they did. That's that's the plot. So the the original screenplay, by the way, was called Cyber God. Fitting. Okay. All right. Let me let me let me begin with the good thing. The one good thing. The one shining good thing. Um, Doesn't happen in the movie. So back in 1992, when this movie originally came out, my buddy D'Angelo Swift and I wanted to go and watch this movie. And we went and my mom was cool enough. They they weren't going to let us into the theater. She bought a ticket for herself, got us into the theater, and then she just left. And then the, my, my buddy D'Angelo and I watched it, and then we walked home. Like, it was like the best thing ever uh, because we watched a rated R movie, uh, and it was 1992, and we weren't quite old enough yet. That's that's the best thing I can say about this movie. Now let's dive into the movie and look at the car accident that happened, which is to say the entire friggin' thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's there is not a single loose. redeeming aspect of this film. There's not a single you know thing. No, 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 no. It there there is one single. I I've got one. I've got one, which again has nothing to do with the movie. Uh, it reminded me, like in the early '90s, there was this weird fascination with like computers and virtual reality, and like people at the time just thought like computers were fudging magic, you know, just like just like yeah, like putting a VR glass on your face. And injecting you with red goo could somehow give you psychic powers and make you evil. Like, of course, that's that's perfectly logical. And and like, but but like screenwriters at the time, like legitly believe that, you know, like there's there's more than one example of people like going like computers are magic back in that day with its VRs, you know, and and getting a taste of that and reminding myself of it was was a fun trip down memory lane. Yeah, I, I do want to stress that I think the reason we got the movie Hackers was because of the success of this film. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of Hackers movies. was like three years later mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. equally terrible. Yes. Yet infinitely more watchable than this hunk yeah. of yeah. crap. Like, dear God, this is a car accident of a movie. Yeah, yeah. I remember at the time it wasn't exactly, I don't know, the word we used was woke about his portrayal of uh uh, differently abled, mentally differently abled people. Cause Job is, uh, yeah, yeah. But, oh my God, did this, uh, uh, it wasn't great then. And it hasn't aged. well. No. <laughs> it's aged so bad. No, it's aged so bad. I, I remember when my buddy and I came out of the movie theater, I remember we both talked about how like bad, not only the movie was, but the portrayal was. And this was back in the early 90s. So if a, if a couple of high school kids are talking in the early 90s about how bad the portrayal of one of the characters is, I mean, that's really saying something. Yeah, that's like when uh, uh, Robert Howard, you know, the creator of Conan the Barbarian, was like, hey, H.P. Lovecraft, buddy, I love you. But you got to tone down the racism a little bit, man. You're going a little overboard. <laughs> 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 Oh, he didn't listen. I mean, just just how bad had Lovecraft have to be to have somebody at that era say that? And and again, how bad did it have to be at the time <laughs> to have two high school kids go, man, that just was kind of messed up. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. 
Oh, oh, it was so bad. And like, yeah, like everything was wrong about it. Everything was yeah, wrong. Because the, the, they betray him as like not having any form of like sexuality until he gets smart, which just is not how people work. <laughs> and uh, oh, uh, I, uh, oh, I felt it's, icky. It's, it's hard to describe how bad this film is. Like the mm-hmm. even even just like stuff like the, the special effects. I'm not even talking about the computer generated ones. Like even how they filmed these super close-ups of an obvious puppet of an ape in the beginning to show that this mm-hmm. like super ape thing that they made is is killing people and oh my god it's just there's there's the world's most awkward sex scene that then becomes a cyber sex scene mm-hmm. and like oh man and and you know despite mm-hmm. it all there's this interesting idea. In, in the middle of it. I mean, mind you, they do nothing to try and, and, and cultivate that idea into something worthwhile. This It's absolute garbage. Also, I did not realize this. Apparently, there is a director's cut version that restores I know. like 34 minutes of footage. And now I, know. now I need to see that. I had no idea until just when I was researching this that this was a thing. I, yeah, they only released it on Laserdisc. <laughs> Got to track down that laser disc, Jonathan. Uh, Somebody's got um, it. Oh my god! Somebody's got I, it. I I I poked around. I poked around because I'm like, if I I, I knew it was going to be bad. I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to go in on this, I'm going to go all <gasps> in. And I, where where oh where is it, John? Four dollars to rent Lawnmower Man director's cut on Amazon Prime. Oh, we need to hate watch the living daylights out of that. Jonathan, I, I, my fun budget is so limited. I don't know if I want to. Oh, give come on! It's four dollars. Nah, it's four. Nah, nah. Okay, fine. That's you know four. what? Use four dollars out of my Patreon money. <laughs> it's for the show okay. anyway. That's it's exactly what we use it for. Oh God, Jonathan. I don't want to have That's, to talk about this movie again. I don't. I don't. It's too bad. It's terrible. We, we won't do a segment like this on it. We won't do a segment. We'll just we'll cover it during normal watching. But I do want to hate watch it with you because what if by some weird, unbelievable miracle, it's not as bad? Like, wouldn't that in and of itself be an interesting experiment? Mind you, I have no hope that it's not going to be terrible. Like, I feel it's like it's uh, going to be garbage, but... Jonathan, Jonathan, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Yes. I'm, I'm in. Oh. So... My, my wife's, my wife's going to kill me. Brett Leonard, by the way, you want to talk about weird fetishes? Like, he obviously has a weird fetish for computers because he also directed Virtuosity, which, if you recall, I watched not too long ago, and that was equally terrible. Yeah. That, that whole 90s thing of computers are freaking magic. Oh, my God. Did you know he did a, a Stephen Coots book, too? Yeah, Hideaway? Yeah. It, I didn't yeah. realize that was Brett, Brett Leonard. Yep, 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 yep. Shut your mouth. Okay, I didn't think so. Oh, I got really excited there for a second. I thought he did Phantoms, too, but Amazon was just trying to get me to watch that movie, too, which we all know is awesome because friggin' <laughs> Affleck's the bomb in Phantoms, yo. Affleck's the bomb in Phantoms. <laughs> oh my god, now I really want to hate watch Phantoms. God, do we have I to did do not that long ago. next? <laughs> no, no, I'm not watching. I'm not watching the Watchers quadrilogy. I did it once. I'm, I'm never gonna do it again. Oh my god, 
I think that's. I think we just stumbled onto the next one. Nah, man. Nah. I'll I'll leave it to listener Wes was the one that cooked this one up. Maybe maybe we should leave it to him. Anyway, anyway, uh, I I don't watch this movie. It's terrible. It, it's, it's, it's oh god. There's god. not. It's not even an enjoyable bad. That's the problem. No, that's the worst. No, because it could be. That's the worst part. Oh god. Yeah. It could be. It. It flirts it could be. on the cusp of great terrible. No, but like, like all the, the the way the way just Job and the way they they depict somebody who's mentally challenged and it's just so cringy and you can't enjoy it. It's oh, just it's, like oh, it's worse than cringy. It's somehow even ah, worse than cringy. I didn't even think yeah. it got any worse than cringy. It's 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 almost a criminal depiction. Yeah, and it's just so bad. It like you can't even enjoy it as a bad movie. It's just so no. It's awful. it's just truly crap it's a terrible film but now i'm curious to see if it's because it got diddled with by the studio all right jonathan well we're at that part where, where should we put it oh is it worse than carrie is it worse than carrie <laughs> okay first of all is it worse than carrie no you know why because it's not objectifying teenage girls so right there instantly wins over carrie in my opinion I I'll, I'll agree with that. Carrie, like, Carrie, like K- Carrie is is downright creeper. Yeah, Carrie, I felt really dirty watching it. Yeah, like, I never I, felt I, there was just I did, I felt incredibly sad at some of the depiction yeah, here, but I never felt yeah. gross. And this was yeah. I mean, well, was, no, the sex scene the sex scene was pretty gross. okay. <laughs> yeah, no, maybe I did yeah, feel that, gross, but it, it was somehow but, not as bad as Perfect Carrie. Yeah, I'll 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 agree with that assessment. I think Carrie's still at the bottom. Carrie, Carrie, yeah, I felt I felt kind of dirty after I watched. And and now, is it as bad as Cujo? No, no, <laughs> no, it's not. I don't think it is. Yeah, Cujo. Cujo had good sense enough just to be boring. Like Cujo's forgettable. Like I remember how bad the lawnmower bed is. Like I, it's visceral. It's this visceral awfulness. So yeah. So I think yeah. I'll, does it go in between I, I Carrie and Cujo? I I would agree with that. Carrie Carrie still kind of makes me feel dirty just thinking about it. It's it has not aged well in that regard. It's not. It's by the way. It's 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 a close. It's a close. It's a close game between the now two. Now I want you not, to see what I just typed in there. It's important that you see the whole sentence. Oh, why, Jonathan? Oh, why? Because no, no, I'm, direct- oh, no, I'm holding you no, to it. Because I'm holding you. No, if if the director's cuts better, we'll 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 just elevate it. I guess because yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. So. <sighs> That puts it at 12 out of 13 on our list. Only um, only the uh, objectification of teenage girls in Carrie was able to unseat the lawnmower man's terribleness. Uh, you know what? You know what? I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I may have to I may have to argue this one. I think it might be worse than Carrie. You think so? I, I mean, like it's I, I, can we give them a tie because they're both terrible and 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 absolutely. Tell you what. Tell you what. How about this? How, how about this? How about this? How about this? Groups. If the director's cut somehow makes things worse. Okay, I'll go with you there. We'll use okay. the director's cut to figure out if it's a tie or if it's somehow even worse. Because <laughs> it's science, you know? We're doing science here on the show. <laughs> this is science. John, we are writing stuff down. <laughs> <laughs> notes are being taken. Copious As notes. Adam... As Adam Savage said, uh, if you're not writing stuff down, it's not science. You're just dicking around. So this is <laughs> no, science. No, we are doing science. It's good science. <laughs> Ultimately, we are sacrificing large components of our life and freedom for the betterment of mankind. 
<laughs> Our audience will not have to watch these films when we're done. <laughs> so far, I'd say you're really, really good at watching till about number eight. And then after that, it starts to fall apart. So, yeah. So the reason the reason I would argue Lawnmower Man is they're very similar films in a lot of ways. Um, they both have aged incredibly poorly. They both have a really weird dreamlike quality to them where the plot doesn't really make sense. Because <laughs> uh, Carrie, like, events happen out of order for no explicable reason, but they're both very dreamlike. But I will give Carrie this. De Palma is a better director than uh, Brett is. Like, way better. Oh, like, yeah. the, the film is so disjointed. And... Yeah, I, I think that's why it might be worse because they're very they're oddly similar films. The more I think about it, they're very dreamlike and and not logical and yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I'll I'll let the director's cut decide. If the director's cut makes things worse, I'll I'll, I'll argue my position a little bit harder. Yeah, it's oh god, <sighs> it was rough. It was rough, and I got to tell yeah. you, like <laughs> just watching that depiction of, the, of of Job was ooh, that's really tough to watch. Uh yeah. Well, Jonathan. Luckily for us, next up is the dark half. All right. It, well, I mean, like, is it going to hit the top? The, so I, I feel I feel like we need to talk about the bottom five real quick. So just to give everybody an update, the bottom five right now are, I mean, we can't talk about the top five because this is nowhere close. Bottom five are currently the Running Man, Firestarter, Cujo, the original cut of the Lawnmower Man. We're about to science the shit this, by the way. Uh, and then finally, Creepy Carrie. I think the movie might just be boring. I haven't heard a lot of bad about it. I've just heard it's like not good. Of which one? So. Dark half? Dark half. Yeah. So I, I think it might, well, we'll see where, cause Firestarter and Cujo were both very boring. So we'll see where it rates in that. Um, oh, I mean, oh, Firestarter. I do know the dark half is the only Stephen King book I've ever read where I didn't make it through it. Oh, I've wow. Really? Through every, yeah. Yeah. I started reading it. I started reading it several times and I just, I just couldn't, couldn't do it. Like, I don't know what it was about it. It just never grabbed me. No, Timothy Hutton and I, I, was in I, the dark half. I know. And mind you, I've read Firestarter. I've read Needful Things. I've read the Tommyknockers. Tommyknockers is terrible. Like, I, I love Needful Things. It's a great book, but it's like, it's 800 pages or something insane. And like 600 of them are just tripe. They're just dull and plotting and it's just setting up so many dominoes and it's so dull dude you know then, who's in it, you know who's in dark half by the way hmm amy madigan oh from uh from streets of fire yeah what dude, and michael heck? rooker's in it you, you know you really need to re- look at who directed it Jonathan. oh i know i know george romero yeah i'm all over yeah here. yeah so we'll see we'll see where this uh, we'll see if it may, maybe it'll surprise us maybe it's not in the bottom five maybe it'll be one of the rare movies that's aged better than than yeah, then anything. Uh, here's hoping. Here's hoping. Occasionally, occasionally it happens, man. Occasionally a movie ages much better than, you know, like it, it's weird. It's weird how that happens sometimes where you watch something down. And you're like, you know what? You know what? This is good now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 God, I can't remember what I watched something recently and I, I thought it like I thought it aged better, which was weird. Oh, I can't remember. But anyway, there you go. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our King in All Things segment. The segment where, this week, we tortured ourselves with one of the worst movies ever made, The Lawnmower. And you want to go back. You want to go back and drink from that well. God. It's not even a well, Jonathan. You know what it is? It's like a rusty spigot. But I got to know. House, I've got to know. And you turned it on. You turned it on. You're like, I want to drink the rust water. I want to get a brain parasite dude, or like It's t- like tetanus. when you come across a car accident, you're like, oh, man, this is terrible. I, I, I. 
I feel so bad. I, I want to get a different okay. view but so I can take not a like longer you don't view look. of a car accident. But you, it's not like you don't look. You have to. You have to look. <sighs> Son of a bitch, I'm in. I'm in. Oh, I mean, like, what if it? What if it? Can't you do watch parties on Amazon? Can't we both rent it and like chat with each other while we're watching? I hope so. Man, if you figure out how to do that, I am so down. All right, all right. I'll I'll look into it after we're done. You know, what? in fact, we <laughs> maybe we need to <laughs> to do our first commentary track or a second commentary track. Why would we make people rent that? <laughs> no, <laughs> bad, Jonathan. Bad. Where's the squirt bottle? <laughs> All right. Well, join us next time for part fourteen of our thirty-nine part series, "A King and All A King and All Things," uh, when we tackle the dark half. Hopefully, we can at least say it's not Lawnmower Man. Oh, we can't chat on Amazon unless it's uh, unless it's on Prime. Boo! It like. Yeah. Well, I guess we can just do it in Discord. All right. Well, last thing for this particular segment is, of course, our year in the life segment. That is where we look at back a year ago. And we talk about what we talked about then. And it's, it, you know what? The title of the episode alone echoes my sentiments. It's been too long. Forgot my dice. Episode 105. It's been too long. We did Undaunted Normandy. That's oh. why I didn't want to tell you. Oh, that's so funny. It's been a year. It's been a year. Oh, man, that's crazy. Well, that lined up yeah. well. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually been. incredibly well. Yeah, that one came out on April 13th, 2021. So it'll be, this will be the 12th. So it'll be one day shy. Oh, that's that crazy. One. That's crazy. Yeah, I knew you'd like that. I want to tell you live. And you're like, what date did it come out? I need to know. And I'm like, uh, I'm not going to tell you because I'm like doing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was doing stuff. That was actually legitimate, but still. <laughs> oh. I, I had just looked it up, but I, I want to tell you now because I thought it was fun. Oh, that's awesome. Like that works out real well. That that almost like wipes the the taste of uh, Lawnmower Man off the palate. Dude, holy God, Jonathan! I I listened to that episode actually because um, I was like, why why were we gone for so long? Dude, do you remember? Do you remember what happened? You remember why we were gone for so long? Was that I got the Rona? Okay, uh, no. Okay, first off, uh, the spri- the the Valentine's freeze happened, and we couldn't record. Oh yeah, because I had no power. Yep. Then then you got Rona. <laughs> That was a that was a fun one too, by the way. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. And then uh, then it was spring break, and I was gone. Uh, and so yeah, it was like six weeks. Because yeah, that that happened basically every time there was a Monday. Oh it was like yeah, the that first was, Monday, that no was power, a real cruddy run, and that was so much out of our control, like not even fun. Yeah. 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 So yeah, and and maybe we did the thing we should have done with this episode because we wanted to talk about everything. We just didn't do the second segment. We just had a two part off the shelf, and we, it yeah, was real that, long. In retrospect, probably would have been the better decision. But we've come this far, yeah. so there's no turning around. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Anyway, so we uh, you, oh, you just got your new puppy, also because Apollo died a year yeah. ago. Yeah, oh, I know. The other day, his pictures came up on Facebook, and the the remembrance of him came up, and that that was a hard day. I did not like seeing that the, little reminder. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, man, it was it was it was a time, man. It was a time. Yeah, it was weird. I drove through Alabama. That was weird too. But yeah, but you got Leia. You talked about her a little bit. Oh, she's awesome. She's turning into a hell of a dog, actually. She and I go on two, uh, two and a half mile walks every day and she loves it. Anyway, not much else. We were watching stuff. You watch Clear and Present Danger. We were playing Impossible Landscape. God, it's been a year since we did that. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wow. Man, time goes fast and slow at the same time. I know, right? I know. 
All right. Well, it's break time. And when we return, it'll be time for our deep dive. But until then, enjoy breaky breakiness. I don't know where I'm going. That sentence got away from you. Yeah, it got away from you. I'm going to blame the lawnmower man. Call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. Welcome back for the break. It is now time for our deep dive. And tonight's deep dive is a, a return of sorts, Robert. Return of what? We like spilled the beans on it like last segment. You're like pretending. Yeah, we kind of yeah. did. Undaunted reinforcements. <laughs> Speaking. In North Africa, the long range desert group is a thorn in the sides of the Italian forces, disrupting vital lines of communication and striking at strategic targets ranging far and wide. In Normandy, U.S. forces brace against German counterattack, determined to maintain their foothold within the region. The fighting is intense, and the outcome hangs on a knife's edge. With everything at stake, you desperately need reinforcements. Undaunted Reinforcements is a modular expansion and introduces a range of new rules, scenarios, and units. Unleash the might of the German and American tanks and see how your new squad options fare against them in Undaunted Normandy. Or take the use of mines, assault craft, and other new units as you attempt to outfox your opponent in Undaunted North Africa. Whether you have one Undaunted game or the other, with Reinforcements, you can play for the first time a four-player mode to test or test your metal in a solo mode by David Teruzzi and David Digby. Requires a copy of Undaunted Normandy or Undaunted North Africa to play. Jonathan, how does it play? So this is not the normal kind of review we do, right? I, I can't remember the last time we... I don't think we ever have reviewed an expansion before, have we? Alone. Uh, I don't want to say that, but at the, ver- at the very least, yeah. you could probably easily count it on one hand. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so for me to bring this to, to the show and say, hey, I really want to talk about this, I think should underscore its importance. And it's also an interesting expansion because when I look at what's in the core box, you get what you pay for. And so often... You know, I come across these expansions and I put them into the game and I'm like, you know what? This feels like the complete game. This feels like the way it was supposed to be. And this expansion, I don't feel that way because the game as it's supposed to be is really, really good. This is expanding off of that core promise and principle, but but not in this weird like I feel like this is unfinished business way. Instead, this is a hey, we nailed the living daylights out of this. Now let's kick it up a notch and see what else we can do with this sucker. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So what I bring to you here is not a traditional expansion in in like the way some of the other games that we've discussed are. Instead, what we get here is a series of modular changes that you can or cannot adopt, depending on what you want to do. Uh, you can adopt one of them, all of them, some of them, like whatever you want to do, and it totally, totally changes the game. And the really neat thing is that it can apply the same way to either the North Africa game uh, or the um, Normandy game, which is really, really cool. 
So let's talk about what it adds first. How's, how's, how about that for a place to start? Okay. So you've played Undaunted with me, right? Yeah, yeah, you did on, on online, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. A long, so if you remember in our, our discussions about Undaunted, there are different troop types. And so this adds a new troop type that you can add to your deck. It's called the Specialist. And the Specialists are a little bit different. Um, the U.S. faction gets Grenadiers, and the Germans get um, Submachine Gunners. So these unit types have some slightly different actions and are, are really not applicable to the whole game. Um, you can apply them to the scenarios that come with the expansion, or you can apply them to the, um, or you can apply them to the solo mode of the game that comes with the expansion, but not to the solo mode of the game of the original game. And we'll talk about solo mode more in just a moment. So it's kind of, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. They're very powerful, but they also have to be used very specifically. And that's something that's, sets them apart from the units in the previous uh, the previous iteration of the game. They come with some cool support actions, they come with some cool combat actions, and they, they just they do cool stuff. They add a lot to the game. The next thing that you get are, are the concept of mines. And mines can be two flavors. They can be anti-personnel or anti-armor. And putting them out on the field really inherently changes the way that players are going to interact with the board, and that's really neat. Like, that gives it a whole new flavor. You also get the single-player mode, which in and of itself is an amazing addition to an already amazing game because it get, lets you get that much more mileage out of it. The single-player introduces a concept of bots, and bots are handled as a whole different deck of cards, and you'll be resolving those in a different way, and the game also gives you some instructions on how to set up the enemy deck and how to draw from it, um, so that you are still utilizing the core concepts of the game where you draw cards to determine initiative and play your turn. But you are also basically like not losing those those core concepts, but you're getting woven in the single player rules so that you can still rely on what you already know, but still get this added addition of playing against a robot of sorts. It's, it's interesting how they approached it. The next thing that you get is a very, very large book of additional scenarios. Um, so if you recall, each of the missions in the original base game um, were coming out of the scenario book and, and had some very specific setup that made them work, right? Yeah. So you get, I think, six or seven scenarios in the original one, and I think in this uh, expansion you are quite a bit more than doubling it. It's a ton of additional scenarios, which is great because it gives you more ways to play with the game that you already own. The other interesting thing that this game comes with is a really big box because they want you to take all your contents from uh, Undaunted Normandy and all your contents from Undaunted North Africa and combine them with your expansion into a single box. And I think that's a pretty cool thing to add, right? That That is a very cool thing to add. Yeah. Question, does it yeah. have enough space for everything to be sleeved if it needs it? I can't remember if there's... Ah, uh, that is the eternal question. And no, it, from my eyeball measurement, no, I don't think it does. And that's, that is, that's an easy mistake that they should have rectified. I agree. But that being said, you're still getting this extra large box, so you could always build yourself an insert that totally works. True that. So... Undo that's that's the beginning of what Undaunted Reinforcements brings to the table. So how, how do you add stuff into the previous things? 
Like okay. it just goes in the decks or, or are there specific scenarios? Like, cause I, I, I couldn't imagine like, cause I, there's a D day scenarios. I, I don't know. I, I get so world war two games. I just sort of expect certain things. So I can't remember if stuff had it or not. Yeah. There, yeah. yeah it was, was some kind of something that, that replicated it. Yeah. Okay. But I don't think there were tanks there in, in real life. So how do you, how okay, do you add all so, these bits yeah, and I'm glad that in? you brought that up. So tanks were introduced first in North Africa. Right. Not from the war perspective, but from the game perspective, right? Right, right, right. And when they were introduced in North Africa, they they had a certain scale. It was like the whole concept was a a platoon of soldiers coming across a single or two tanks, right? Small numbers. The tanks that come in this game to support some of the new play modes play at a different scale. So instead of having like one large tank now you're dealing with like a line of tanks in some of the larger European battles. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So you, you, you get some new rules for how the tanks work. If you're familiar with the rules from North Africa, because the, the scale has shifted pretty dramatically. But like, how do you add those into previous scenarios? They just go. Oh yeah. That was the original question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I forgot to talk about the tanks in the earlier part. Um, yeah. It depends on what you want to use. So, like, when you use specialists, you're actually taking those specialists and weaving them into the deck. And you actually u- utilize um, a different card that that basically works specialists into the original deck as prescribed by any given scenario. Make sense? Yeah, okay. The mines are, uh, do you use them or do you not? Uh, because the mines are a support action and they're associated with a, um, with a character, um, they, they're easy to... to weave in and out because it would be a card that you would add to your deck. Okay. So the expansion does come with a couple sheets worth of tokens and uh, a couple sheets worth of, or pardon me, a couple of cards uh, that are dedicated to the different character types um, that then can get added into the mix uh, when, when it's appropriate. You also get uh, the big scenario books and the big solo book. The solo stuff is really easy. Um, you're either turning it on or you're not, right? Like, that's that's how all the solo stuff works. So adding it in is yeah. as easy as, I want to play alone. And then beyond that, the other, the other, everything else is just all the different scenarios and whatnot. So realistically, the, the only a- addition beyond the, the tanks that work be- only in certain scenarios, so they're scenario-based tanks... Um, the only additions are really kind of characters. So it's, it's, do I add them to my character pool or not? So speaking of which, how does the rule book do describing adding all these reinforcements to your original two games? It's really great. Um, the, the thing I really like about it the most is general rule changes are handled, um, first. So like there was, um, an addition to the friendly fire rule, um, that, you know, for the way mines work and stuff. So there's a whole section that talks about the different rules um, that were added. Then there's a whole section that talks about all the characters that are being added. And then there's a a section for like support actions like mines. And yeah, everything is broken down really nicely. It does assume that you know the game, the core game. Um, It does not cover that ground again. But it does show you how things happen differently in a single player or... um, or in the single player campaign in terms of how it affects like the core rule set of draw cards, determine initiative, and then take your turn. And we talked a little bit about it when you uh, mentioned the box, but how are the components? How do they compare? Do they fit right on par with everything that that came previously? That's the easiest way to put it. 
Okay, so you can just slide them in, and it's yeah. you know not obvious that you. Oh, not at all, not at all. It it, okay. it all the hidden information is going to be um, indiscernible from a coloration standpoint. Um, everything looks really good. It's the same quality of of componentry that we we got before, and I do have to say that the insert. You know what? I'm looking at this. I think it might fit sleeved cards. Let me look at this. Yeah, that would be. My, my only concern would be in terms of thickness because, you know, sleeves add so much thickness to your deck. I think that's where it falls short. But the, the biggest thing that it comes with is that extra large box that lets you combine all three sets uh, into this very nice uh, plastic tray that comes with it to, to help you organize. And it even comes with a bunch of Ziploc baggies for all the different um, tokens and whatnot. Is there anything else off in the execution of the game? No, not at all. Not at all. Besides um, the picky stuff? <laughs> From a personal viewpoint, I really, really, really like the um, addition of the single player. It adds a lot, especially for a player like me that, that you know, often finds themselves with an evening where, you know, I don't have a partner to play a game with. So to have that single player option makes me feel like I'm getting a little more out of my game. Um, but I the, the, the only reason I bring that up is because from my perspective, the the way that co-op has been integrated so that you can play up to four players instead of just two it's not great i didn't like it i don't think it adds anything to the game it's not my favorite part so going back to the recommended player count the original game was two players yeah uh, and this gives you the expansion or um i don't know what's the ex- implosion the implosion impansion <laughs> i don't know whatever the opposite well, of expansion is well, how about this? What's what's the best version of the game to play? Solo, two-player, four-player? The co-op kind of didn't major. do anything for me. I don't think we needed to add more people to the mix. I think two is really, really good. This is a game where, really, it needs to have one person in control. That's where it works its best. So I think Also, also with games like that, like <clears throat> playing War Machine and whatnot, every time you add another person to the mix, it doubles the amount of time it takes to yeah, play the no games. no joke, no joke. So, yeah, four people would make it triple long. Which, but um, no, don't quadruple long. Anyway, whatever. It takes forever. Yeah, I, I think that that two players, if you have a second player available, is still the way to go. And the single player were, uh, mode works very, very well. So I, I do recommend it. it. It adds a lot of life to your game. And normally this is where I'd ask you to say one last thing about the game, but I'm going to switch it up this time. What, what made you want to talk about this game again? Like what was... It, it's, sum it up for me. It's an expansion that feels like an, a true expansion like it, it's expanding on the 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 game it's not fixing a problem that was there before if that makes sense like so often i i i play a game and i'm like oh this is really good i wonder what it's like with the expansion and you play it with the expansion and you're like you know what that really is a core experience there's no reason why that wasn't included this is obviously you know the it's the opposite it's hey we had this really good idea and we executed it at 11 now we've kind of got these other things that we want to experiment with. So let's let's just hand it over and see how people like this too. That's what this feels like. It's there's it just feels like more value. It, it feels like more ways to play your already great investment that they hadn't thought of at that time. And that makes it a, unique to me. And I don't know, it really I enjoyed it. And the way it changes things is is such that you're I don't know, it's maximizing that investment. The other thing that really impresses me about the game, just generally speaking, and again, another reason why I wanted to bring it, is because the price of the expansion kind of reflects 
the size of its impact in that it's you get this huge box and the plastic insert and all this stuff and you're you're under 40 bucks it's crazy that's nice yeah i mean like it's so much more game for 40 bucks and you get to you know tidy up the shelf a bit <laughs> it, it for, for whatever reason like this this trend of releasing a box large enough for everything like i love it like can we lean into this more is there anything else you want to say about the game, Jonathan, of note? or You know, I, this brought Undaunted to my table again, and I've been playing it a lot now, and I stand by the fact that this is one of the best games ever developed. Like, this is a perfect execution of a skirmish warfare game. The additions that are offered by this particular expansion and the fact that it works with both of the core games is really neat. Like, it totally pleases me. It's really good, solid additions, it doesn't break the bank to get them, and it's just, it's everything an expansion should be. That's Undaunted Reinforcements by Osprey Games. You know, I, I remember liking it when I when we played it the first time. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not as into the World War II thing because I'm just, I don't know, a fiction nut. Like, I was like saying like, you know, War Machine or 40K or I don't know, something something not real would, would you know, but as a skin over this would, would really do good for me. I wish they would do that. Like have some alternate version buy a license for something game of Thrones. I don't know, <laughs> but that was like my only complaint. Like I, I was like thinking, the game what if you slapped Warhammer on it? Like you could totally do that. Yeah, no, it would, it would work. But yeah, no, I mean, I remember really liking it. Like the gameplay itself really felt like a miniature game. And I really liked that because tactically it was interesting. Yeah, no, the, 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 tactical aspect is really what what does it for me about this game and you're right it it very much scratches and satisfies that warhammer itch but it's so much easier to get on the table in that for darn sure oh my god well that brings us to the end of episode 125 quarter centennial quarter centennial i like that there you go as always, it's been a pleasure to have you with us. Check us out on all of our digital domains. Uh, definitely Discord is the, the the one that has the most usage currently. And Robert, any final thoughts? No. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that pause was so pregnant. It, it had babies that also got pregnant. It was a pregnant uh, pause. I don't know what it is. Like the Lodwar, man, just like it cut everything out of my mind. It's not uh, great. It's not no, great. No, no, it's not. Definitely not. I can't believe I you're going to get me to watch that damn movie again. I can't, I can't wait. I'm so genuinely uh, excited that we're going to watch that crappy, crappy movie together. Uh, we got to like synchronize so we can actually like text each other while I'm it's down happening. I'm so down I'm so down oh man we're we're hey we're halfway to our next AMA that's crazy yeah I know right yeah at this rate it'll be 2024 uh yeah yeah just just so just right around the corner <laughs> you know it'd be funny when we do the AMA we will not be done with a king and all things will be it'll be the second to last episode assuming nothing comes out between now and then Ooh. yeah because yeah that'll be interesting i mean yeah i mean I, I i something probably will because i've seen the preview for firestarter already They're, they they have a preview <laughs> out for the new one 
I'm not I'm not holding my breath. It's a Blumhouse. Blumhouse is usually at least okay. I'll give it that. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Like I, I, I know a lot of people don't like Blumhouse. I'm I'm not like a horror artur or anything, like, but of the Blumhouse I've seen, I've never seen one where I was like, this is garbage. Like they're all just like, yeah, that's a serviceable horror film. It did its job. <laughs> <laughs> workhorse. It's a workhorse horror film. You know, you're not gonna they're typically I mean some of them are good, but some of them are like, yeah, I'm not gonna write home about this, but it's not bad. Play that, Jonathan. And and this stupid <laughs> nonsense that we're doing. Well, <laughs> on that most excellent note, Robert, there's only one thing left to do, and that is to be excellent to one another and party on. Party on, Jonathan. Man, now I'm spicy. Now I'm just feeling like like just throwing everything up in the air. Just yeah. dad, Let's talk about Texas politics for a minute. We can get real spicy. Oh, God. No, I, I don't live there anymore, man. That's oh, nice. you lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> the music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 